Welcome to MLR Kickoff with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg, featuring Mark Winokur, Vice President and General Manager of the Toronto Arrows. Hey folks, welcome to the MLR Kickoff podcast. Dan Power with you alongside Pete Steinberg. As always, big show tonight, folks, as we dive into the Toronto Arrows 2019 season. We look ahead to 2020 for the Arrows, and we are joined, as you just heard, by Mark Winokur. Pete, first of all, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. I am calling you from the W Hotel in downtown Chicago. Oh, great spot. Make sure you pack warm, though. November in Chicago can get a little dicey. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. With the, I was just getting um, some room service delivered when you, uh, <laughs> when you were talking to me. Hence the, uh, hence the little delay, but no more delay, I think, with our um, uh, guest, uh, Mark Winokur. Mark, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. It's hard to believe it's been a year since we last did this. Yeah, it's been a long 12 months for me in particular, Mark. I've really missed you having you on the show. I petitioned to have you as a full-time guest. Uh, Pete shot it down. So with, uh, without further ado, no, let's just jump into it. Yeah, <laughs> well, we do appreciate you jumping on the show, and we are going to talk all things Toronto. 2019, to say it was uh, a successful year or unsuccessful year, how do you view 2019, first of all, from the Toronto Arrows perspective? Well, listen, it was a massive learning curve for us. You know, we went from being, you know, an amateur organization, the guys had grown up together to, to playing on a professional stage and playing, you know, in a foreign country. Um, you know, I think it was successful in many, many ways, but, you know, in pro sports, there's only one team that can, you know, say that they were successful at the end of the season. That's the team that wins the cup and we didn't do that. So, um, but that doesn't mean it was a failure. We, we established a benchmark to measure ourselves by guys took a lot of learnings out of it. You know, we now have a proper uh, runway to prepare. You know, as you recall, we only had 10 weeks from uh, admission to the league to kick off. So with a little more runway that that's going to help. So overall, I would say that we, we probably rated as a success, but you know, there's room for improvement. Well, you know, Mark, you know, it was, there were lots of challenges that you had in 2019, but one of them, was this challenge of the schedule, how you had eight away games and then eight home games. And, and you ended up, I think, needing to win the last seven games in, in a row at home, which you managed to do. Can you talk a little bit about sort of, you know, um, how you were able to kind of pull all of that together and how you managed the um, away schedule at the start? It's going to be very similar again this this time so what's you know what did you learn last year how did you get that run going at the end and um what are you gonna do differently in 2020 well yeah that's a good question i mean i think we were prepared for it. we knew what we signed up for we we you know our, our preseason meeting was guys listen this is going to be as tough an assignment as you've ever accepted um so it wasn't a surprise we had the added um you know, challenge of having the ARC in the middle of that road swing, which took a number of our, our players away. But, you know, one of the things we said was we're just not going to complain about any of that stuff because we, we know it's a challenge and we're just going to deal with it or not, but we're going to deal with it. So um, this year we'll be better prepared, I think, for the, you know, the, the 
the hardships of, of traveling every Friday out to Pearson Airport in a snowstorm and trying to get on a plane and it's delayed and your stuff is lost. And, but we're now sort of used to that. We know the standard. Uh, we're also not away for six. We're not away for eight. We're, we're only away for six and then we get back home. So, um, and, and we don't have the ARC. So, you know, all of those are, are an upgrade on a difficult situation. But as I say, we know what we signed up for and, and we're prepared to deal with it. One of the things that's, that I thought was, was really interesting about um, the Arrows that seemed to be a little bit different was sort of how you develop your squad. I mean, I think, um, you know, not, not as many sort of high-profile signings, but lots of real quality players, obviously a very strong um, Canadian contingent, but also some players from South America, um, you know, some players from, from overseas. Can you talk a little bit about kind of like the first the philosophy that Toronto has in terms of building their squad for 2020? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it is, a, you're right, it is a little bit different. And, you know, um, I, I think we, we, that was an important thing for us last year is we proved that, you know, we maybe could do it our way. We have a group of guys who grew up playing, you know, youth rugby together and, and, and university rugby together and rep rugby together as an amateur. And, and you know, we didn't want to disrupt that culture too much. I start bringing in, you know, major agents of change because we didn't feel it needed that. Um, so, you know, we've been fortunate enough to find young, keen guys who maybe are on the, the verge of super rugby or, or play in a country that doesn't have a professional competition but really feel like they want to make a go of a, of a pro career. And, you know, we interview personally on the phone or, you know, face-to-face every single person that comes into the organization and, you know, quality of character is, is our number one box to tick. And, and we were, we were pretty good in that regard. We didn't have, you know, any, any of the players coming from outside that were a problem. And we just developed a really, really strong culture and belief system that we were all on the same page, which is, you know, I think in pro sports, according to lots of other GMs for other sports who I've spoken to is a really valuable currency to have. So we're, we're going to continue that way. And, you know, it, it may not be as popular or as headline making as what some other teams do, but, you know, we believe in it. And, and so far it's worked for us. Let's talk a little bit about some of that personnel, Mark. Two players that stood out in 2019, uh, very contrasting style of play. You had Morgan Mitchell up front, who, uh, in hindsight, looking back, probably one of the signings of Major League Rugby, just on his influence in your forward pack. The other was Sam Malcolm, who you announced this week has put pen to paper to come back for 2020. You talked about that process of recruiting. Go through a little bit of Morgan Mitchell's story about not returning and then how you went about getting Sam to come back for 2020. Uh, well, listen, you know, in Morgan's case, you know, he, he got a very lucrative offer in Japan. This is a salary cap league, as you know, um, and there was no possible way that we could match it. And there's certainly no hard feelings. You know, we love Morgan. Um, he sent us a very, very nice note saying that, you know, he'd love to come back to Toronto someday and play some more rugby, but he needed to, to make more money than the MLR could provide. And listen, that, that's just a fact of life. I mean, you know, professional sports is in the end of the day a business and, and you know, we both had to make a business decision. Um, with, with Sammy, you know, it was a little bit of, of, of that, I mean, we always thought we had a good chance for him to come back. He, he really enjoyed it here. His parents came and spent a month with us uh, in the spring and, and seemed to really like it. 
but he, you know, again, he's at a, at a point in his career where he needs to, to take a look at every opportunity. And, and we certainly weren't going to hold him back from that. But in the end of the day, you know, he, he said, you know what, I think this is the best fit and, and I'm looking forward to, to coming back and taking a run at this thing. The other one, talking about 2019, you had a lot of success, especially on that run that you guys had towards the finals from your players from Uruguay in particular, uh, Gaston and Leandro. They come back from a World Cup probably in a lot better, you know, a lot better shape, but also with the, a lot more experience under their belt from playing the World Cup. The success that you saw with those two, was that influence in going back down to South America to sign De La Vega and Diana for 2020? It, it absolutely was. They're, they're, you know, Gaston and, and Leandro are, are great guys, uh, absolutely beloved in the, in, the, in the shed. And, you know, both of those players, Manuel Diana, who you would have seen play so well against Fiji in that upset in the World Cup, and, and Tommy De La Vega, who's got a number of caps for the full Puma side, both of them are friends, you know, uh, and acquaintances of, of Tony and Leo. And then they said, hey, we got a couple of guys who are interested. Do you want to talk to them? And, you know, one of the areas that we, we felt like we didn't have enough depth last year was the back row. Poor old Pete Malazzo had to slag through almost, you know, every single game. So, you know, we wanted to build our depth there and they were keen to come and, and they sound like real quality guys and, and we're very excited to have both of them come on board. Well, that must have been a, a bit of a a bit of a good sales job because I think I remember when we were talking to Gaston. He, um, I think it was a little bit earlier on in the season. He was talking about how the uh, um, the weather was a little bit different in Toronto than it was in um, uh, than it was in Montevideo down in Uruguay. You know, and, and let's talk about that a little bit because you know I've I've spoken to a couple of the Arrows players and they talk about how great the, um, the, the uh, support system that the Arrows have, obviously sort of coming from um, the um, Ontario program, some of that was um, in place, but I've heard that you're, you're stepping up even more off the field. Can you talk a little bit sort of about the high performance and the support that the players get off the field? Well, yeah, we, you know, we've got a very dedicated S&C and medical team and, you know, we did get some, some, some props from the league about how we had the toughest schedule and yet the, one of the lowest injury rates. Uh, we don't flog the guys. You know, we try to get quality work and not quantity. Um, we make sure that they've got stuff to do and that they're, they're happy and, you know, everybody's engaged. That stuff's so important, especially for people who are, you know, away from home and, you know, there can be that little cultural barrier, but, but the guys that we got in seem to, to fit, fit really well with, with the guys already in the room and you know we just want to make sure that everybody's got what they need I mean obviously we're not giving them all Ferraris and stuff like that but we're, we're making sure that that they feel comfortable and they know that that we've got their back when you know when when things get tough so um you uh, the Toronto team is is at least in my mind it, it, it's sort of um yeah, well, it's obviously the Canadian team in the league, even though there's a lot of Canadians that play um, in, for different teams in Major League Rugby. Can you talk about what Toronto's relationship is with um, Rugby Canada um, and with the Canadian national team? Because I, I, I sense that that might be a little bit different being the sole Canadian 
um, team within Major League Rugby than some of the other teams have with USA Rugby. Yeah, well, listen. I mean, one of you know our, our our two stated goals as a as a business and as an organization are one to be a commercial and competitive success, and two to help develop uh, Canadian rugby players for the national team. And if we, you know, we said at the beginning, if we don't accomplish either of those, then we're we're going to stop. We're going to put the pen down and move away. So, um, <clears throat> you know, we had a, a strong support of Rugby Canada, especially because it was a year that they were entering a World Cup. Uh, things are very, very different now. We're, we're sitting down in the next couple of weeks to really get into the, the nitty gritty with them and find out what they want and what we want. And I think there's a little bit more respect coming from their side of the table now that we've done it and proved that we can compete in this league. Um, and, and, you know, listen, we're, we're never going to agree 100% with everything that they're doing, and, and I'm sure vice versa, but we need to make this, as, as you say, as the only Canadian team, we need to make this work whether we, whether we like it or not. And it's, you know, it, there's going to be some challenging times ahead. But, um, you know, it's in, in a, both of our best interests to have a successful Toronto Arrows, which leads into a successful Canadian national team. Yeah, talking about the, the Canadian national team, we introduced a new kit sponsor in Paladin this year. Any truth to the rumour that Andy Quatron's already put in a request for a bigger jersey after what happened to him at the World Cup with Shulk Brits? <laughs> well, they're not exactly the same size. I think that was that was one of the, the, the real quality moments in the in the cup. Um, I you know, we'll see. You know, the the kit deal is always a tricky one. Um, it seems like a low priority, but it always causes you the most headaches. And uh, I, I'm sure that we'll manage to get AJ into the, the proper size shirt for him. Oh, that's awesome. And if he's listening, I'm just joking. He's a, he's a big man. The other one I want to get you with, Mark, is, is again the schedule this year. Toronto will be involved in the recently announced uh, Vegas MLR weekend. In Las Vegas, you played the Houston Sabercats down there. Exciting, and and how do you think controlling that squad in in Las Vegas is going to be for a big weekend of rugby? There, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going down the months before because we've got a preseason uh, hit out with Utah, Atlanta, and Colorado. Um, so hopefully everybody comes back from that one, and and we don't meet them in Vegas a month later. But listen, you know these guys are pretty good. They know how much competition there is for spots. Um, Vegas is you know has a lot of temptations, but I think we'll be more excited about the, the challenge of, you know, playing in that, that new stadium and, and, you know, playing a league game and going there. It's a business trip first and, you know, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, it should be uh, – sorry there. I thought, I thought Peter chimed in. I'm just on talk I, over. I was – I'm sorry. I was chiming in, but I was on mute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm trying not to make a, make a noise. So I will, I will chime in now. Um, Mark, what, one of the interesting things that, um, or one of the interesting challenges that Toronto had last year was the idea was having a home stadium. Um, it seems like, again, there's going to be sort of different games in different places. Can you talk a little bit about what 2020 looks like in terms of um, the stadia that you're going to use and, and maybe what plans you have beyond 2020 to make a home for the Arrows? Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's a great question because it's just such a tricky thing given where we live. You know, April is April is a very, very difficult month to navigate because it can be, 
you know, in your, in your uh, temperatures, it can be sort of mid twenties and snow and it can be upper sixties and sun. And it can be that in, in a 24 hour spell. So getting a stadium to, to give you access to the field on any sort of definitive timeline is very tricky. Um, it, it looks like this year that, that we've got seven at home starting on April 4th. <clears throat> it looks like we will be in Lamport Stadium for the majority, um, which could be you know as many as seven or as few as five. And we could be at York for as many as two or as few as zero. Um, it's just, you know, until we can get our own stadium solution, which is probably a year or two away, uh, we're at the mercy of, of the weather, uh, city politics, um, rental space, et cetera. And it's, it's, it's real tricky. Um, it, it's something that we, it's definitely a, a high priority work on for us, but um, um, for this year anyway, we'll be slightly improved and we should have those answers in the next couple of weeks, but um, that's kind of where it's at. Well, Mark, we'll let you go, mate. Always an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. You have an open invitation if you ever want to come on. And uh, we look forward to 2020 and the Toronto Arrows. Hopefully two more wins in 2020. We'll get the, <laughs> uh, that big shield north of the border. Yeah, that would be great. And you know what? If it goes north of the border, you know, you're going to have to come get it. So we'll see. <laughs> Listen, thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. I love the show. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Appreciate thanks, it. Mark. Thank you so much, Mark. Well, there he is, Mark Winnicker, the man at the Toronto Arrows. The general manager up there and then VP. So doing great things up north with the Arrows. And Pete, we'll look at 2019 now as we'll review their year. And you kind of touched on it talking to Mark there. Really, really tough, obviously, logistically and geographically for Toronto. But I thought they were exceptional in the early parts of the year on the road. I remember that game that we did down in San Diego in torrential rain that they able uh, well, actually, it wasn't torrential, but they ended up beating San Diego at home down there on the road. So it'll be interesting to see if they've actually learnt their lessons and, and tried to figure out that travel schedule a little better for 2020. But looking through their roster, a lot of people returning and some new signings in key positions as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Toronto were just an interesting team last year. I thought, you know, they they were, um, you know, I think they they went on a run where they won and lost what was the, it, it was it was let me let me pull this up so um I think they came lost, out at 500 from their, yeah, their eight yeah, weeks but, on the road yeah so but it was lost one lost one lost one lost one i think was the away and then they lost their very first game 31 35 um to uh um new nola gold which i think ended up being a big loss for them right because i think it could have changed um, having a home or away game, um, and then they and then they went went on a run, and they were just a really interesting team because you would watch them and you would say, you know, this is a really good team. They've got um, good players. They have, um, uh, you know, they've got good patterns. Uh, you know, they've they've got really good halfbacks. I mean, I think um, you know Ferguson and McKenzie are two really really good scrum halves. We um, talked about Sam Malcolm and how important he was. A fly half, you know, we loved um, Gaston Mieres, um, you know, so lots of really good players, but but you also at the same time said who was, who, you know, where was their real impact? And you can hear 
um, when Mark was talking about how they built their squad, that they're not, you know, they they really spread the wealth. And so, you know, you look at their stats, Dan, and they are, you know, um, good. Very rarely great. You know, it's sort of like ball carries, you know, number four in the league. Tackle breaks, number seven in the league. Line breaks, number five in the league, right? But there are some things that, that you know, and I think this was something that we saw a little bit where, they were actually one of the very, a very, very good defensive teams. So in line breaks conceded, they were um, number one. And in turnovers, um, one, they were, um, they were number three. So really uh, um, very, very strong, I think, defensively. And they had the highest tackle percentage in the league. They were 89.1%, and that was best in the league. So, um, you know, they didn't. They, they struggled with territory, but they had um, a very, very good um, defense. I'll just call them a technically very, very strong team. Yeah, and they did get uh, significantly better as the year went on too. Those combinations started to click. I think we talked about the two uh, Uruguayan players. As they got more acclimated up in Toronto, their seasons just took off. The back end of the season for Livez and uh, Mirez was just, you know, they were very, very dynamic. It added, added an edge to that, uh, to that back line as well that probably wasn't as relevant. Uh, we also saw Avery Oiterman as well uh, burst onto the scene early in the year and then had some issues with, uh, with some injuries. And I think he had some sevens commitments or some commitments to some uh, uh, U20 stuff, sorry. I think it was U20 stuff. So a lot to like moving forward for Toronto. So let's move forward to 2020. Let's talk through some of their signings. So we mentioned from Argentina, Tommy De La Vega. Uh, most people who've watched the Pumas play will be familiar with him. He's had quite a few games with the Pumas. So a good acquisition there. Big man. He'll play a little bit of lock, maybe some six uh, as well. Um, and then Manuel Diana, he will be at eight. Uh, and like Mark said, he comes off the World Cup over in Japan one of their best players, along with Santiago Arada, I thought, throughout the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting, the, uh, um, this, this South American connection. I think last year, um, I don't know if it was the weather or the fact that the ARC was right at the start. It really prevented them. But I think um, going, going south um, has been good for them. And, and we heard that a lot of that was about the personal connection from Mark. And I think that, you know, they've... Um, uh, done what a lot of teams have done, which is gone overseas. So they picked up, um, you know, Richie um, Asiata, a prop from Auckland. And I think that we're seeing, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, prop is, you know, not funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's always been true, but it is still true in Major League Rugby that uh, you can't play if you don't win the ball. So seeing teams go overseas and pick up props um, has been um, one of the trends in the first um, couple of years of Major League Rugby. Of course, they haven't always worked out, so it'll be interesting to see how that transition works for them. Yeah, Asiata, very similar to Morgan Mitchell in terms of his build. Uh, he, he's a lot more of a round-town style prop, a little bit more robust at five foot nine, but he'll come in at probably close to 260, 265 pounds, I'd imagine. Very, very talented young kid. Came out of Australia, played for the Australian schoolboys, I believe, at one point. Uh, the under-20s for Australia as well. Um, you know, 
So he comes from pretty good stock. That uh, Asiata name is is well known in the, especially up in Queensland in the rugby ranks, where he was. Uh, I believe he's in the Reds uh, setup at a while. His name just kind of strikes me uh, from a few years ago, but. That's the replacement to Morgan Mitchell right there. And that's uh, it's going to be tough. I think he's probably going to be a little bit more dynamic around the field than Mitchell, but the big test is going to come at the set piece, right? Scrum and see how that holds up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be really important for these guys. I think that, um, you know, they have um, a really, really dynamic back line. I mean, you know, we saw Dan Moore do a lot of really, really good stuff when he was given the ball in space. Um, they weren't able to do that early enough in the season. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting because um, part of, you know, the, the benefit of going out to Vegas for the, um, for the, you know, for the Vegas weekend, Dan, is, is the ability to actually go and train outside. Um, they won't have that when they're in Toronto. It means it's harder. It's going to be harder for all of those um, cold weather teams to start the season strong, not just because, they're traveling for the games, but because it's harder for them to actually train outside. And that makes a, uh, um, a big, big difference. So lots of um, interesting challenges for Toronto. I'm really interested to see them develop. They're obviously making a big commitment to um, uh, squad stability and they're, and they're looking for growth. They have a few new players that they're bringing in. Um, you know, it's going to be um, interesting with the, uh, um, with, the Canadian national team, what that relationship like was like, you know, we heard Mark talk about it. Um, but, you know, they've, they've got to be one of the favourites going in because they've got the infrastructure um, and that continuity counts for something. We talked about this previously, Dan, I think when we were talking about Nola Gold, that it takes more than a season to implement a philosophy of play. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really when you get into two and, and you know, year two and, and year three, we talked about it. Um, with Dave Williams being such a long-time coach um, with the Colorado Raptors. And so, you know, I, I think that we'll continue to see development and improvement. And I actually think this time they're going to come out of the gate um, pretty strong. Um, and I think that they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to be a, a team that is, uh, is, is going to be one to watch, definitely. Yep. I think you're right, mate. It's, it's again. I think Toronto is a very difficult place to uh, to go for visiting sides, and they have the luxury of that nice run at home, which is dictated by the weather. But it plays out to their benefit. You know, they get on the road when they're at their most fresh, as opposed to the back end of the year where you're tired and you're physically drained, and then you got to jump on a well, plane for four hours and fly up to Toronto. It's it can be tough. Yeah, and and, and you know if you look at their first two games. Right, and, and we won't know how good these teams are, but they, they play um, Austin um, down at Round Rock the first weekend, and then they play Houston, um, and that's in, uh, in, in Vegas as part of that doubleheader. So regardless of, of how good those teams are going to be, you've got a team that has a lot of continuity, a lot of players that have come back, who are coming up against two teams where new coaches, like new players, I mean, I think Toronto, you know, definitely favoured in both of those games. If they win those two games, then, you know, then they've got Seattle, right? So that's obviously going to be a tough one at Seattle. And now they're into March. Rugby Atlanta, new team, but, you know, don't know where they're going to be. Colorado Raptors, um, new coach, lots of turnover there. Um, Rooney, new coach, lots of turnover there. So they don't, you know, it's, it's, it's actually um, not until 
they get to the end of March where they play Nola Gold, where they play a team that has the same coach and not a huge amount of turnover. They should be looking at the start of their season and seeing that as an advantage because they don't have the turnover that other teams have had. All right, give me a prediction. It's early. We haven't seen all the rosters yet, I know, but I won't hold you, know, you to you this. You and your predictions, like, you know, can I say that I think Toronto are going to be a very, very good defensive team? I think we'll see them um, kick a little bit more than they kicked um, early on. Um, so um, than they than they did in year two. Um, I think you're right. I think the scrum will be a a good test. Although I think their line out will still be strong. They've got some very good line out operators, and you know they need to find ways to get their dynamic outside backs with the ball in hand. And if they can do that, I think I think they'll finish up in the playoffs and 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 have a shot um, making it to the finals. Top two in the East. There you go, Pete Steinberg. He's rubber stamped it right now. Top two <laughs> in the East for Toronto because we've got a conference this year. It's not a top four, right? It is. Top, yeah. Top. Well, I mean, I mean, I, so I was saying top four because I'm thinking about two and two. But 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 you're right. So the Arrows again, a stable team comes into the East playing what three teams that that are expansion. I mean, three expansion if, teams. Yeah, if, you're if, right. If they don't make it to the top two. Like they're gonna to have to go back and probably rethink the philosophy about how they're building their team. I mean, this is a great year for the Arrows. I think. Yeah, I think everything's uh, lined up nicely for them. They won't be complacent, though. You know that, and I'm sure they had a, a huge um, representation at the World Cup too. So a lot of those players played for Canada, uh, for Uruguay as well. So you'll have a very different field, different experience level coming back from Japan as well for the squad in 2020. All right, Pete. Let's go around the grounds, my friend. And uh, we have a bunch of re-signings to get through first. And the well, the motto in Utah is, is reloaded. And I think they've reloaded with a, a shotgun cell because they've just sprayed a bunch of re-signings out in the last two weeks. It's uh, just signings everywhere. I feel like I'm on Oprah. You get a re-signing. You get a re-signing. You get a re-signing. <laughs> they have gone out and signed pretty much everyone. And it'll be a whole new podcast if we go through everyone. So just a couple of names that jumped out to me on the re-signing things. Uh, great to see the Whippy Boys back. Had an atrocious run with injuries. You remember in year one, both suffered broken legs, freakishly the exact same part in the leg for both brothers. Uh, Lance Williams comes back, big signing. I'm a big fan of Lance Williams, not only his hair, but his play as well. He is going strength to strength, and I think he will do well under the tutelage of that coaching staff, in particular having Sean Pittman there, the USA uh, forwards coach. So that will be a big impact for them. Any names in there stand out for you, mate? Well, I mean, I think the Whippies are one. And then John Cullen, who, who I'm pretty certain that we heard was retiring last year. Yeah, JC, um, you'd hung him up. But it's, it's, I've got to cut him some slack because, you know, everyone retires at least once in rugby and comes back. <laughs> so there, there, there are some uh, – it's, it's a good thing that John Cullen's back there. Let's just put it oh, I think so too. And I think that, you know, Matt Jensen's important. I agree with you. I think that um, – you know, Lance Williams, I think that's a guy that's just improving. If He has a bit of a disciplinary issue, um, gets some yellow cards, but I think athletically is, um, is important. And the Lance Williams, um, Ara Elkington, and John Cullen back row is, is one that I'm excited about. The other one is um, Franco um, Vandenberg, a former um, Springbok U20 prop. Young guy um, who I think still has a lot to give. He's athletic. Um, you know, struggled a little bit, I think, um, both in the, you know, in the set piece 
but I think he's someone that still has a lot to give. But, you know, just it, it's great to see these signings come in. Um, you know, Brandon Sparks, who's their director of rugby, obviously was, was, was very busy as soon as he came on board. And of course, don't forget your favourite player, who, whose name you just love announcing every game, Huluholu Mongoloa. He, uh, he comes back as well. So look forward to your first Utah game in that one there, Pete. Let's move down now. New Orleans announced the re-signing of Cam Dolan. Uh, not surprising, current USA Eagle and probably you know one of the top players in the league currently. Cam Dolan down there and Cam Troxler. Uh, another retirement announcement that is redacted rather quickly as the lure of rugby and playing down there in New Orleans is just too much for Cam and he comes back for another year. Uh, Seattle, Stefan Kutsia, he comes back. George Barton, good re-signing. Big Georgie, he was outstanding when they had some injury issues in the midfield. Good dynamic ball runner. And with the departure of Roland Sunula back to Austin, he should fit nicely into that midfield again. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Cam Dolan uh, was... was um, uh, uh, was a required signing, I think, for Nola, actually, because of the way they play. And um, Stefan could see, I think, it's just um, phenomenal. I think he was injured a little bit last year. I think Seattle um, missed him. George Barton's a, a young um, Canadian center, um, big bull runner, um, it, you know, still developing. I mean, it's one of the nice things about um, uh, Major League Rugby is seeing some of these younger players develop as they get through, as they go through these seasons. Yeah, I agree. And uh, let's go on to some signings now, some new signings, and you'll see some movement. Like we talked about, strength of the league, players going in between clubs. It's a good thing. Don't uh, I know it's tough for the fans who become attached, but players are willing to move to, to get an opportunity, then that's a good thing for the league. We'll start back in Utah because, again, uh, reloaded, restocked. They are super stocked. They're like a pond in late spring that has been filled with hatchlings. They're, they're ready to rock and roll. Any of these names on the signing list that jump out to you for Utah, Pete? Um, well, you know, um, Hagen Schulter. I, I, I'm, Schult? Schultz. You've got to say it like Schult. Schultz, yeah. Um, yeah. who is a, a very interesting signing. Um, you know, uh, fly half fullback that has um, you know, played professional rugby originally from Christchurch, but actually is a German um, uh, international player. And so um, has uh, eight caps for um, Germany. And I think actually played against the US when the US played Germany. So that's an, an, an interesting um, signing. I think fly half's gonna be, you know, that, that fly half inside center combination for Utah um, is 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 going to be interesting, and then um, Michael Basker, who's who's come up from um, uh, Nola Gold, who was a super sub for them with the uh, best hairstyle in um, in Major League Rugby with an amazing mullet. Um, interesting to see where he fits in um, as the uh, um, as a player with Utah. Yeah, they're pretty stacked at nine. It makes you yeah, wonder, I'm, I'm Sean Davies. It makes me think, we talked about this last time with Sean Davies going there on the coaching staff. He may, in fact, retire and be like a um, break glass in case of emergency style scrum half out there if, if injury or form or something dictates it. But he may go 
full-time coaching. Uh, you stole you stole mine. I, I was going to say Basker as well. Got a bit of a soft spot for him. He's one of the uh, one of the real good guys. So I've done a ton of work in the community down there. We talked to uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. They really wanted to keep him down there, but just uh, weren't able to to get the uh, the T's crossed and the lowercase J's dotted. Little uh, Wayne's World shout out there for everyone who is about my age and watched Wayne's World. But uh, he'll be a good little signing out there. Really dynamic guy. And I think he'll fit in well with the Warriors and add some depth. Let's move to old glory now. Max Lum, Jason Robinson. They get Jake Turnbull over from the Houston Sabercats. So Jake, he's playing the role of Johnny Cash or Taylor Howden in the rugby world by just changing clubs every other year. And he'll have quite the collections of jerseys at the end of his career. But he moves over from Houston. And they get Doug Fraser down there as well. Old Glory, they've been pretty busy this offseason too, putting together a nice little team. Paul Sheehy and his crew down there, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 been an interesting. Um, they've you know there's been a a, a, a slow um, but steady drip of news coming out of DC. You know, I think everyone wondered with these um, teams um, what they were going to look like. You can see um, Atlanta. A lot of these teams are really banking on some of their locals when they've got very strong local play. Um, Old Glory don't have that so much in the D.C. kind of mid-Atlantic area. So so we're seeing more players come into them. I thought the interesting signing for me is Doug Fraser. And the reason why he's interesting is that he comes from um, the uh, Canadian Centralized Athlete Program. So before Major League Rugby, um, Canada basically um, would professionalize some of their Canadian um, international players and move them um, out to Victoria where they would train full-time. But there was lots of sort of concerns about them not playing very much. And I wondered with Major League Rugby what would happen to those players. And you can see that players like Doug Fraser, who's a, you know, um, a short but powerful center, um, you know, he's been signed from, from that program. So you can see that um, Rugby Canada is saying, well, there's another, there are other high-performance environments. Um, go off and uh, um, you know, play in those as well. So I thought, I thought that was uh, um, an interesting signing. Of course, he did play um, uh, with um, Austin last year. So just in- interesting to see those guys um, move back and forth between the Canadian program and Major League Rugby. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple other... Names that we'll get to in a little bit who have a very similar story as well. So Houston, Val Lilo. Uh, everyone remember him from the Fresh Makers out there in Sacramento, the Mentos, back in the, uh, the glory days of 2016 that we don't talk about anymore. And the Flying Squirrel, Tim Stanfield, out of nowhere, he gets a start down with the Sabercats. And I know he is uh, just chomping at the bit to get back and be playing some high-level rugby Little Tim Stanfield, an absolute champion of a player and a champion of a bloke too. He gets a shot down there with Houston. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's uh, um, Tim Stanfield was was. I mean, he still has a lot um, to give. You know, I, I saw him play sevens over the summer. Um, experienced player needs needs to stay healthy. But um, you know, in, interesting to see some of these guys making making um, the trip down there. Uh, Houston's going to be um, an interesting team with a new coach. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how both these guys do. Yeah, they will. Atlanta, another one of the expansion teams. They announced the signing of 
Paris Hollis, who is a Life University product. Uh, big guy. Uh, he's a, a bruiser up front. A little green, but under the tutelage of the coaching staff there, I think he could be a bit of a diamond in the rough. And Ross Deacon, uh, the freaking Deacon. He goes down there from Rooney, packs up, uh, leaves the Roosters and heads down to Atlanta. Good signing there. And that's a big loss for Rooney because I really thought Deacon did a great job, in particular at the back of the scrum there for Rooney. I was, I was really surprised to see this. I mean, um, you know, Ross Deacon, I think, is um, one of the top back row forwards in Major League Rugby. does a lot of work off the ball, right? So maybe isn't the most dynamic, you know. So, you know, he's not a Cam Dolan um, number eight, but he's a guy that does a lot of the dirty work. Not only that, he has, you know, a pretty strong New York connection, right? Um, you know, played club rugby for um, um, New York Athletic Club, um, you know, went off and I think he played well, he played with the uh, elite um, in, in season one, but came back to Rooney. And I was, I was quite surprised, but I think that's a big pickup um, by Atlanta. And I think what's going to be really interesting about Atlanta is with signings like um, uh, uh, Paris Hollis is that they've got a lot of those life guys. I mean, obviously a strong connection with Scott Lawrence, um, you know, who's the coach at life coming down. It's going to be really interesting to see how some of these young guys step up to Major League Rugby. It's been one of the big sort of talent questions that we've had um, is, you know, are top college players ready to make that step up? Well, I think Atlanta's going to um, show us if that's true or not. Um, so, Dan, I think the... Um, you know, it, it'll be... No, I'm oh, back, I'm back. I was, wait, wait, were you mute? Did you mute yourself as well? This is such no, a professional... I had, my, I had my room service come as well. I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just ki- I'm just kidding. I don't have room. So I did mute myself by mistake. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, you see a lot of these college players are going to make the jump and it's going to... It's very similar to what we see in the NFL, right? You have these... First round prospects get drafted. The ones that go to strong teams with a good structure usually play well and do well. The ones that go to the Cleveland Browns, sorry, Browns fans, I know it's it's a rough life, but you know, we've seen them struggle at these weaker teams, and that's gonna be the challenge for a lot of these college players with no draft in place, telling them where to go. They're gonna be looking for the opportunities of A, where am I gonna get playing time at my position? And B, have I got someone there that I can learn from and grow my game. And then for, for teams, that's going to be a big part of trying to encourage these kids to come continue to play there. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think one of the challenges that they also have is if they're not in the 23, how are they going to play? I mean, I think rugby is a game that you improve by playing and you improve by playing at a higher level. And it's, you know, it, we don't yet have a level below major league rugby where some of these guys can play now we've got a season which only has one bye, which i think you know means that there's going to need to be more rotation you're going to see some of these young guys get a shot but you know some of these young college players need more than two or three games in a year they need to play 10 15 games and i don't know that we have a place where they can do that yet uh, and that's that's yeah it's we'll get there We'll get there. That's that's another conversation for another day. Let's just keep talking signings. San Diego, they're back signing players again. Tavita Tamalau, a name that most of you will be familiar with. He's back in San Diego after a little uh, time over in Europe. Uh, 
So he rejoins the Legion. And that's, again, when he's fit and healthy, very damaging, very explosive player, ball in hand, and can turn a game you know, in the blink of an eye. So a good pickup there for San Diego to add to their depth in that forward pack, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a question about when he's fit and health, you know, when he's fit. I mean, that's always been, that's always been the, the question, but I think that he is, um, you know, their, their bat row is stacked. And, you know, they've got good players. It's, it's going to be a, a tough game. You know, I know, um, you know, I think San Diego is just an attractive place to, to go. So if you said, hey, Pete, you know, of all the teams just based on location, which team would you like to go and play with? I mean, it's probably either New York or San Diego, right? Those are the two that really have, um, like, can attract players because of the location. And, um, you know, he's a big, a big pickup and could be a, uh, a big win for the, uh, um, for the, uh, um, for the Legion. Yep. Indeed. Good player. And, uh, could be a real force there of 2020. The Free Jacks announced the signing of Sam Beard originally from New Zealand, but played the majority of his professional rugby over in Europe, uh, with Edinburgh and the Osprey. Uh, I think it was with Dragons actually. Sorry, not the Ospreys. Yep, and uh, he returns. He was with the Crusaders most recently, but I'm not sure he got much time super rugby-wise with them, but very handy. 29 years of age, so they're probably looking to him as more of a a mentor and leader, but he'll probably play a little bit of midfield, maybe some 10 as well, depending on um, how Tiger Leader goes out there. So good signing for the Free Jacks. And finally, for New York, they pick up Troy Lockyer, uh, out of Cal Rugby, originally from the UK, but he spent the last four years out playing with Cal. So another one of these college guys that you just talked about, Pete, who will go out. And another outside back for uh, for Rooney, who find themselves quite deep uh, in the backs this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Sam Beard makes, makes a lot of sense. Someone with professional experience with a new expansion team. I mean, whenever... Um, and I think we actually, uh, you know, we've talked about this with a number of sort of coaches and GMs. When you bring in some of these guys that have spent, you know, six, seven years in professional environments around the world, it's as much about demonstrating the skills and behaviors that a professional rugby player needs to have as it is about what they do in the field. And I think that um, Sam Beard is one of those. And then, you know, Troy Lockyer coming out of the uh, amazing um, Cal Pipeline uh you know originally from from the uk um i think was in the wasps academy um it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be interesting but again i think you know a graduate from cal you know going to new york um you know that might be a move that is as much with the uh um you know with post rugby as it is with with rugby with the work opportunities there is out there with someone who has a cal degree So the last two things that, or, or the last sort of around the grounds, Dan, is coaches. Yeah, a couple of big announcements. Austin, Andrew Suniola, we know he's been down there uh, working hard to get the, the herd ready for 2020. He was announced as one of the assistant coaches down there. We still await the head coach announcement, uh, which uh, should be forthcoming any week now. And then Marty Veal returns to New York. Uh, a lot of people will know Marty from his time with the USA Rugby Setup uh, under John Mitchell, uh, also with Old Blue, 
Uh, sorry, every time I say it, I just throw up a little bit in my mouth. <coughs> sorry. <Cold blue. laughs> but was just coaching over in Japan uh, more recently over there. But very, very experienced player and now very experienced coach as well. So he will jump in with uh, Greg McWilliams' staff there at Rooney. Pete, well, I'm going to defer to you on this one. You're the coach. Yeah, I mean, I think that we, we shouldn't um, uh, gloss over who, who, who these assistants are, right, as, as we look at teams. I mean, I think one of the reasons why San Diego has, has done so well is that they've had a pretty stable coaching staff and, and um, Rob Hoadley has, has a couple of real quality assistants. So I think both um, Andrew and Marty are both good additions. They, they come with a lot of experience. I think Marty in particular um, with... Uh, Greg McWilliams is going to be a, a you know a strong strong coaching team together. Um, it's interesting to announce an assistant coach that Austin have before they've announced the head coach. But I'm going to assume that you know the head coach is going to come on board and is already they already know who that is and they've already had had the conversation about Andrew. And I think bringing on a new assistant one of the hardest things to do is to assess players. Um, you know it it. Oops, as a new coach, it, it's easy to see players in practice, but players in practice and players in games aren't the same thing. And so I think having Andrew there is going to be really useful for that head coach to give him some insight about what happened last year. And I'm sure part of uh, Drew's contract is he does not have to play this year. Oh, he is definitely playing. <laughs> like, like I'll, 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 I'll lay 10 bucks that he's going to have his boots on at something. I mean, he's too good a player. Right, he, like, he is, like, but for his sake, and Austin heard fans. The only way he plays is they're in a, in a crisis, and for their sake, I hope that it doesn't happen. For That's Drew's fair. sake, That's I fair. hope That's that fair. it doesn't happen. That. I agree with that. He's a guy who's given so much over his career. Just, just let him go. Let him, let him go. <laughs> just let him hold the clipboard. You know, we'll do some interviews with him at halftime. We'll, we'll get him on. Oh, he'll be a great halftime interview. You're right. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure Stacey Pates is all dialed up with all the good hard-hitting questions for that one. <laughs> it was a long show, Pete. It was a good one. It was a good one. It was a good one. Well, thank you. I'd like to thank all the listeners for um, putting up with um, probably what was my uh, internet at the hotel as well as my meals. Of course, if you like the show, please leave a review and rate us, whether it's at Google or Stitcher or um, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. If you leave a review and you leave five stars, that helps other people find Major League Rugby and we can spread the name of the game. Well said, Pete. For my man, Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro, we thank Mark Winnicker for joining the show as well. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff.